All right, here we are. Part four, looking at fool number three, if I'm tracking well. We're talking about fools and folly, but the reason we are is because God wants us to walk in wisdom, and we have to reject the folly and the foolish tendencies to do that. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. I'm not quite sure why I didn't put 17 on there, which says, therefore, do not be foolish, uh, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to understand what God wants from us. Folly is not only a waste of time, it's the cause of much damage in our lives. Um, and in the lives of those who depend on us. So remember that our goal in looking at these patterns is to grow in wisdom. Now, if we're going to grow in wisdom, we need to know how it develops. So before I get into the profile of the fool we're looking at tonight, um, I want to look at wisdom's pipeline. It has a very definite pipeline. It's very different than the approach of our educational system here in the U.S. So it's important to understand up front how we grow in wisdom. Uh, we take great care in the educational process to protect the feelings of our pupils. But we need to know that protecting our feelings isn't wisdom's primary concern. Remember, she's personified as a lady. God is gracious. Wisdom is not. Uh, God has built wisdom into the way life works so that as we experience the consequences of folly, which is not wisdom, then we'll turn to him. So it's important to see that wisdom isn't learned in a classroom. Proverbs 1, 20 and 21 Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gate, she speaks. You notice, life is wisdom's lab. We learn it in the middle of relating and handling our responsibilities in life, not in a textbook or in a classroom. She's speaking through the choices we make and the consequences we experience as a result of the choices as life flows by. We're making choices, and she's trying to get our attention <laughs> through the consequences. Listen to Proverbs 1, 22 and 23. This is, these are verses right after the ones I just read. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Interesting. There's a lot to learn here. Wisdom's goal is not to make us feel bad. Wisdom belongs to the Lord. He's very kind and gracious. But it's not wisdom's primary, primary goal to build our self-esteem either. <laughs> she wants us to learn. She wants us to grow. She wants us to get in line with God's way of handling life. So she's concerned that we grow 
primarily in godly perspective and in skill in handling life in the best way possible. This means that wisdom's main pipeline is correction. Very important to understand. Wisdom approach is not like education where you go to a classroom, you learn the principles, and then you try to apply those principles to life in a, in a vocation. Uh, and then if, if, if you happen to need correction, it's given gently. Wisdom's approach is correction first, and if you heed the correction, the principles are poured out. Notice it says in verse 23, well, it said in verse 23, I don't think it's on there anymore, but if you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. This makes teachability and coachability essential. If, if you don't heed the correction, you never learn from wisdom. You never learn wisdom, in, in, period. So it's extremely wise to seek advice and counsel as you walk through life especially working through difficulties, making big decisions, especially from those who know Scripture. Proverbs 6.23 says, For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching a light, and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. So, key source of guidance is the commandment, God's Word. This is where we're going to learn the principles. It's the reproofs of discipline that show us how to live. So, we, we learn as we're living life, God speaks to us through his word and corrects us. Wisdom does the work. The word for discipline in this passage here, the reproofs of discipline, is the Hebrew word musar. It's, it's, uh, I believe it's on the screen. Yeah, musar is how you say that. Um, and it means chastisement, figuratively reproof, warning or instruction, also restraint. It's from a root, yasar, which means to chastise literally with blows or figuratively with words, hence to instruct. Have you ever felt beat up when you go to somebody for advice and they're, you know, they're a wise person that you really respect and they just, in the conversation, you just feel like... I, I have. <laughs> yeah, you're just really taking it on the chin. You go into the conversation, you're looking for some affirmation and encouragement, and you receive challenge instead. You're challenged in your thinking, in the choices you're making. Now, we all need encouragement, but we're going to grow based on how we respond to correction. This, this is how it is. This kind of instruction that's described in Musar, uh, as Musar here is more like a football or a basketball coach than a teacher in the classroom. You ever see a basketball coach on the sidelines when it's timeout? I mean, they're just, they're just correcting. They're not, you know, so, okay, I'm sure they mix a little encouragement in it, but showing them plays, showing them what they're doing wrong, trying to get them on board. In, in Diamond Bar, our high school at one point, once the CIF section, the Southern California section of CIF, two years in a row. And we had nine Division I athletes, scholarship athletes on the team. 
Several of them went to our church, and none of them liked their coach. <laughs> I would say some of them even mentioned that they might have hated their coach because he made them do what they didn't want to do, and he was, he was always focused on correcting their mistakes. They didn't like that. But they needed to learn this because he's the reason they won. He's the reason they became the athletes that they became and were able to, to obtain the scholarships that they gave. That guy was a really, really good coach. He went from high school to high school building successful programs. Deeply appreciating the reproofs of discipline is crucial to turning away from foolish strategies and learning wisdom. So I want to encourage you to keep this in mind as we continue to look at the foolish strategies, profiles of the fools. We're looking at the third one tonight. We're going to look at four and five tomorrow. Um, remember that a major part of God's training program for you is tied to the consequences of the choices you're making every day. And if you'll listen, God will help you hear what wisdom's saying in the midst of uh, the, the consequences you're experiencing, both good and bad. We learn, hey, that went well. Why'd that go well? What, what was good about that? Or, oh, that really hurt. Why'd I do that? You know, what, what, what happened there? Um, we've looked at two fools so far who have different strategies to get what they want. The easy way fool wants ease more than anything in life, and they struggle with being a lazy liar. Here's the picture of the Casile fool, and their tool that they use to get their way is lying. The reactive way fool we looked at this morning, seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? I don't know about you, but that seems like a couple days ago. Um, anyway, the reactive way fool wants control and reacts when he or she doesn't get their way. Here she is, the tool uh, she uses to get her way is upset, so you walk around like eggshells on he or she. Um, she's, in this picture, a, a, a lady um, that I wouldn't want to mess with, by the way. <laughs> Today, I'd like you to meet the fun way fool. His picture should be up there. In the Hebrew, uh, this fool is C-A-K-A-L in the Hebrew, Sackle. Um, most of us would agree that being lazy and controlling are not desirable traits, but come on. Fun? Really? <laughs> we all want to have fun. We often make decisions based on the fun factor. Well, this sounds like fun. Let me give it a shot. Uh, we want to make funny, so oh, funny. We want to make money, not funny. We do want to make funny sometimes, but it doesn't always work out so well. <laughs> we want to make money so we can do what we want and have fun. We work hard during the week and look forward to the fun we have planned for the weekend. However, this, this fool takes fun to the extreme and makes it their life focus. The fun way fool has a reckless, blind desire for fun. Here's a video that we put together to, to introduce a series of messages that we did at our church called Playing With Fire. 
it shows the results of the fun way fools approach. Here, here it is. Let's watch this. <laughs> That's what happens to the fun way fool repeatedly. Notice all those guys playing with fire. They were guys. <laughs> Something about fire and guys, you know, we just got to play with it. <laughs> but this is what happens to the fun way fool repeatedly. They do what they want with a focus on fun, and they get burned. Here's a passage from Jeremiah that describes the fool's approach to life, this fool. Hear this, Jeremiah 5, 21, 22. Hear this, O foolish, foolish, uh, sackle, C-A-K-A-L. That's the word for fool there. O foolish and senseless people who have eyes but see not, who have ears but hear not, do you fear me, declares the Lord. Do you not tremble before me? I place the sand as the boundary for the sea, a perpetual barrier that it cannot pass. Though the waves toss, they cannot prevail. Though they roar, they cannot pass over it. The fun way is the fool is so focused on desire. Notice it says they have eyes, but they see not. They get blinded by their desire. And everything else around them goes away. And they lock on to what they want, like a jet you know, fighter locks on radar lock, radar lock, and they go for it without considering the, the consequences. As Jeremiah explains here, they don't fear God or the boundaries he set for life, so they continually slam into his boundaries like crashing into a brick wall. The key tool they use for navigating through life is denial. They, they're experiencing all kinds of consequences, but they're in denial about what those consequences, why those are happening. Whatever they feel becomes their compass. Great example of this character is Captain Jack Sparrow. Um, from the Pirates of the Caribbean, I'd like to, this is a very brief clip we can watch uh, with Captain Jack. That's just creepy. <laughs> it's uh, follow your desires at all costs. The compass, that's, that's how it is with Fenway Fool. The compass points to whatever they want mo most, everything else goes away and disappears. That's the strategy of the Sackle, follow your desires at all costs. Many addicts are funway fools. It's very sad. Drugs, partying, gambling, video gamers, extreme sports can all gain the attention of the funway fool. And you may have heard the saying, it's all fun and games until someone loses an eye, <laughs> until somebody gets hurt. This saying contains a piece of wisdom. It's only fun if no one gets hurt. Prank and payback, fun wrestling match between brothers, I watch my two grandsons start wrestling, and I know it's not going to end well. Never. <laughs> one of them's going to punch the other one, or you know, something's going to happen. Um, it's fun until someone starts crying. That's the way it is. The fool we're looking at tonight ends up experiencing a lot of pain, causing a lot of hurt, since they keep crashing into the boundaries that God has placed in life, like like a brick wall. That's, that's the description of the waves. He set the boundaries for the waves. 
They're not going to go. They're impassable. In 22 and 23 of the passage we read, God said he set the boundaries in place like the sand for the waves of the sea. You're not going to get past those boundaries. You're going you're to run into them. Uh, when you're locked onto your desires, there seems to be no boundaries. To prevent you from doing what you want, not the case. You're, you're going to crash into them. Funway fools are senseless. They ignore the boundaries, but they're there. Their folly-filled choices are the waves that crash and make a lot of noise, but will never get past the obstacles of the boundaries God's put in place. So consequences catch up with the funway fool eventually. The funway approach to life is impulsive, reckless, and irresponsible. If, if you're depending on this fool, it's a bummer. <laughs> a really bummer. Uh, they're blind to consequences. They don't connect the, the dots between their pain and their choices. They talk without walk. Many Funway fools are very religious. They talk a lot about God, but they never translate their beliefs into action. They're deprived and beaten up by life. Many people on the streets live this pattern. Why? When having fun is the main goal in life, you end up chasing a lot of empty things. And then you get chased by the consequences. Like a dog that chases its tail, a lot of energy is used, but you don't make any real progress in life. In fact, you go way back, way backwards. Look at what Jeremiah says is the core issue. But this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. They have turned aside and gone away. They do not say in their hearts, let us fear our, the Lord our God, who gives the rain in its season, the autumn rain and the spring rain, and keeps for us the weeks appointed for the harvest. They don't want to wait, this, this fool. They don't want to wait for the harvest. Fun now, fun now is what they want. Your iniquities have turned these away, and your sins have kept good from you. This foolish strategy for living flows out of a stubborn and rebellious heart, like they all do, like all the fools. This fool rejects God to pursue what they really want. They don't want to live God's way. They don't want to do that. They do not say, let us fear the Lord our God, and they pay a high price for their attitude and approach to life. They live in denial of their problems, especially denial that their lifestyle and choices are causing problems because fun is their idol. They live for fun. The sacco may believe God exists, but will not fear God and wait for his timing to bring the good. I want it now, is their cry. Despite all of this, the fun way approach to life still has a very wide appeal. Think about some of the movies in the comedy genre, like Hangover. Or I think Bridesmaids was the girl's version, the woman version, <laughs> I think. I didn't see either of them, so don't, don't hold me to that. Uh, prank shows, they, these are all very popular. They, they, they make light and joke at the fun way. But it is a really very damaging lifestyle. In real life, the foolish strategy is extremely painful. The wake of the damaged 
caused by the Funway Fool is not funny at all. It is really not funny. Uh, scripture lays out the impact of living the fun way. Uh, first of all, dishonor and disrespect will come to the fun way fool. They may come from an honorable family, but shame and disgrace are their reality. Ecclesiastes 10.1 says, Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. There are certain scents that can't be covered over. Dead flies will taint a good perfume. And a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. It just takes one really foolish comment or action, and it outweighs all the wisdom and the honor that you've generated. This is what keeps the tabloids in business. It's always shocking to us to read the headlines. E even a little folly does a lot of damage to our reputation. Ecclesiastes 10.3, even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. All of these passages, the word folly or fool relates back to the sackle, the sackle fool. This, this fool develops a reputation for folly. Another impact of the fun way fool is continual deprivation. We choose the fun way. We never really experience the harvest season. That's what Jeremiah was saying. <clears throat> Our lives lack the good we desire, the good that God desires to give us, and we just keep coming up empty. Jeremiah 5.25, your iniquities have turned these, the harvest and the seasons away, and your sins have kept good from you. Good things are always just, just out of reach. It's one thing to experience plans falling apart, but this strategy sets, sets a person up for a lifetime of ruin and damage. If we're committed to the fun way, we never really experience the harvest season. Our lives lack the good that we desire. Einstein is cited with this quote, and I don't really know if he said it or not, but here's a funny picture of him. Insanity... Insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. That's what this fool does. Over and over again, they do the same things and they expect something else to happen, but it always ends up being the same because they're living in denial and they're not really paying attention to the consequences and they're denying that their choices are causing it. Finally, this pattern leads to devastation and destruction. Ecclesiastes 7.17, do not be overly wicked, neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? Don't be a fool. This pattern can lead to premature death, which is heartbreaking for everyone left behind. The dodo bird is an example of an animal that represents this foolish lifestyle that it's an example of the full-blown sackle, and we all can sackle at times and, and be foolish this way. But the dodo was a picture of a full-blown sackle. They were entirely fearless of human beings. Um, the dodos, they were native to Mauritius, which is an island nation off the southeast coast of Africa. And their fear, fearlessness, coupled with their inability to fly, 
made the dodo easy prey for the Dutch sailors. So they would walk right up to the Dutch sailors. The sailors were hungry. They would club them in the head, cook them for dinner, and eat them. Dodo after dodo. <laughs> Kept going up to the sailors. I don't know, out of curiosity, I don't know. I don't know why. None of the other dodos were paying attention to what happened to the, the first dodo. <laughs> the last known record of a dodo bird is close to 400 years ago. They're extinct, obviously. Um, <laughs> as we walk through this, you, you may not be identify yourself as a full-blown, fun-way fool. But you may have identified some tendencies in your own life to go for the fun and ignore responsibility. Here, here's some direction from the New Testament on how to change and move away from the fun way strategy. First of all, let God's grace motivate self-control. Titus 2, 11 through 14, or 11 and 12, I guess. For the grace of God has appeared in Jesus Christ. He pours out his grace. He forgives us. If we turn to him, give our life to him, decide to follow him as Lord and boss, he gives us grace, which means favor that we didn't earn before God. He paid the price for our sins on the cross, so we don't have to pay the price. And he forgives us if we trust him with our lives. This brings salvation for all people. And it's this very thing training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. It's the grace of God that trains us to say no to our passions. God warmly accepts us by grace, not because of our works. That is so ingrained in how we think. We think, if I'm going to I need to earn God's approval. I need to earn his favor. I need to work for it. And if I do enough, he'll be pleased. But that's not the way it is. We can't really earn his favor. We can't do enough to pay for our sin. When we keep going back to the grace of God, though, we have the energy, we have the strength, we have the motivation to want to please God and we can say no to wrong desires and live for his purpose. We may not be full-blown fools in this way, but there are some common ways that we sackle and give in to worldly passions. In finances, we can keep focusing on what we want, putting on the credit card, and we end up in debt because we've got to have the latest thing. When we should be working or studying an option to do something fun comes up, and we pay, pay the price when the grade comes out, or whatever it is. We can say or do things that bring instant trouble. Also, things that we know are out of bounds, but we do them impulsively anyway. Um, here, here's a clip from Friends, and it's Chandler at airport security. And he does this. He does this sackle thing. Let's watch this. That's what you call sackling. 
We find it in the Old Testament. We look, the, the guys look today at a, at a time in King Saul's life when he, he did something foolish. It was related to this word sackle. David did the same thing at one point when he, it was forbidden for the king to count his fighting men because that way he would trust in his numbers, not in God. And uh, he counted his fighting men before he, he, he went into a battle. He was trusting in his own resources. He sackled. That's what the scripture says. That's what he did. We can do this. We do the same thing when we've had a rough day and decide to foolishly do what we want as a reward. This is trusting our own resources to make it through, not God. Maybe we party a little or dive into video games or get into some other diversion that keeps us from bearing the responsibility we have right now. We sackle this way. We pay for it. An important part of living wisely is to face the brutal facts about what's really going on in our lives, even when it hurts. We need to face the consequences, deal with them that we're experiencing. And it's the grace of God that makes it possible for us to look at the consequences. Because if we let the grace of God train us, we know that we're valuable and we have God's favor in, part, in spite of our mess-ups, and this makes us want to please God and live his way. So rather than shy away from the truth, we can run to it because God's love never fails. It's always there. This is, this is how the grace of God trains us. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Self-control, be reasonable, sensible. Self-control flows from God and his spirit in those who follow Christ and rely on him for it. Then power to change flows into our life through his spirit. It flows from the grace of God. Also to change, you have to focus on faithfulness, not feelings. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12 says, and to aspire to live quietly. This is, these are the instructions to, the, to a church. Aspire to live quietly, mind your own affairs, work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Working hard and being responsible doesn't feel that great all the time. It's kind of boring sometimes. In the mundane of life, though, it can feel like we're missing out on the fun. FOMO, you know, we got the FOMO, fear of missing out. It's, it's, it, but it's, it's interesting, steady and faithful living draws the respect of others, honors God, and brings the good life. But we have to trust God to give it. Ask God to help you with this. Ask him to help you enjoy your work. The Bible says that's a gift from God. Finally, become a person of good judgment. Key problem with a sackle, they keep making poor choices because they're over come by desire to do or feel whatever will bring fun or pleasure in the moment. They have extremely poor judgment. Hebrews 5.14 tells us how to develop good judgment, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. When we sackle, we make foolish choices to do what we want instead of doing what is wise. 
this verse shows us how to develop maturity. We learn by practice to distinguish good from evil. That's how you develop it. So there are two ways to develop good judgment. Make a habit of hearing God speak to you through his word. Not only like in a setting like this where somebody's teaching out of the Bible, but getting into um, the word yourself. Learn how to read it and understand it and let God speak to you through it. Often, he corrects me through the word, through my, the, my Bible reading, and he shows me the wrong choices I'm making, and he helps me connect the dots. The picture, picture you see in Hebrews 5.14 is... Um, my, my, my version is, I don't know if you've ever received or you ever purchased something where you had to put it together and there was a video that came with it. And, you know, I'm not that handy. So I have to watch the video and then I have to go to the thing I'm trying to put together and try to find the parts and try to figure out what it means and then maybe go back to the video and then go back to it, go back to the, that's, the, that's what it's describing here. You, you practice, you get into the Word of God, you put it into practice, and then you go back to the Word of God, and you learn a little more about what it is you're trying to, the way you're trying to live, the way God wants you to live, and you, you're just going back and forth every day. That's inc incredibly important for developing judgment, good judgment. And then the second way is coaching from mature people who've learned to connect the dots. This is a legitimate shortcut. We don't have to take the beating ourselves. We can learn from other people who maybe been beat up a little bit, and, and they can help us. So there's some tremendous guidance to walking away from foolish strategies in general, uh, focusing on grace, developing a life of faithfulness, and using good judgment and developing good judgment. Would you pray with me as we wrap up? Father, we thank you for your word that instructs us and thank you for building wisdom into life and the fact that she corrects us in the midst of life. That's your grace, God, that allows us to learn from our mistakes and we never get beyond your reach and your, your patience. Thank you for that. I pray that, God, we'd be able to take away um, from this time today, tonight, exactly what you want us to, that you would help us to put into practice what you've said, and that we might live to please you. We ask for this help in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.